Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. Hope the holidays have been keeping you well and truly chilled, and that you've been finding plenty of time to spend with family, friends, and fiends alike. Myself, I'm finally getting a chance to catch up on a little reading. I've had no lack of dark fiction piling up in my to-be-read pile, so I'm hoping to get through at least a few. Overall, The holidays are a perfect time to take a load off and relax. That self-care is so important for your mental health, after all. It's also something the woman in our story tonight knows all too well. But when faced with a difficult guest at the massage parlor where she works, things take a decidedly disturbing turn. Our story this evening comes to us from Chris Curiata. Chris Curiata lives in the Niagara region. His short fiction about home-invading bears, whale-hunting clowns, and time-traveling kittens has appeared in many fine publications. His novel, Sacrifice of the Sisters Lot, was published by Palimpsest Press in October 2023. Children of the Night, join me for Chris Curiata's Our Gentleman of Blue Bay Massage first published in Shock Totem 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The spa opens at 10 a.m. I like working in the morning. As Jillian's longest employee, I've learned the myth of big money only showing up after dark is just that, a myth. Big money also comes first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's already sitting in the parking lot when I arrive. Morning money is better than night money. Night money comes in drunk. Night money comes in frustrated from striking out at the bar or taking a loss at the casino. Day money, on the other hand, tends to be businessmen looking for a pleasurable cap to their trip before the grueling drive back home. Whatever ugliness inhabits these men at night is sublimated during the day, and they flirt with me by way of corny jokes as though I were the young barista at their favorite coffee spot. They compliment how I look, oblivious to my gut fat and stretch marks, aroused purely by my relative youth. Mostly, I like working days because it allows me to drive Abby to school. We take the long way, stopping for hot drinks and donuts, and we play karaoke in the car, singing along to Abby's favorite playlist, which still can't shake that song from Frozen. I'd never tolerate bad language from Abby around the house, or, God forbid, in front of my mother. But when it's just the two of us and an old pink song comes on, Abby and I sing all the words together. After the bad ones, we look at each other and giggle, understanding this moment is private, just between us. No early birds sit in the spa's parking lot, only Jillian, dangling a cigarette out her car window. She doesn't allow smoking inside. While she loafs in her vehicle, I unlock the front door with the keys she has entrusted me with. 
and discover the horrible mess inside. Well, shit, Jillian says after joining me. The lobby looks ransacked. All the drawers on the front desk hang open and papers have been flung about. A bottle of baby oil from one of the rooms has been squirted all over the walls and floor. I take Jillian by the arm, ensuring she doesn't slip. Her hip is bad. She's had surgeries already, and I'm afraid if she falls, she might not get up. Why would he do this? She asks. And that's what I like best about working days. The one Jillian refers to as our gentleman only comes at night. All the girls have seen our gentleman. He appears in room two, the majesty room, with the jacuzzi and vase of imitation peacock feathers. I'll be stripping the sheets off the massage table or rinsing the bubble bath ring from around the tub when I'll catch sight of our gentleman in one of the mirrors and realize I'm not alone. None of us refuse to take our gentleman as a client. One day a new girl may run out the door screaming, but so far that hasn't happened. I don't know if our blasé attitude is the result of fatigue or hypnosis or even self-medication, but I'd like to think it's nothing more than professionalism. It's our job to make men relax in these rooms. Our gentleman, despite his handicap, deserves the same care awarded any other customer. He doesn't say a word. I've never seen his teeth, but I know they are prominent by the way they bulge beneath his lips. He lies on the table and waits for me. Our gentleman is missing his hands. I always mean to take a closer look at the end of his wrists to see what's going on. Is the bone sticking out, or is he sealed over like a cauterized wound? Our gentleman is cold. Massaging him makes my fingers numb. Everything beneath his skin is soft as mud. I feel no muscle in his calves. There are no bones in his spine or his shoulder. Massaging our gentleman reminds me of something I read about the famous photograph of the woman who jumped from the Empire State Building. In the picture, she lies on top of the crumpled car she landed on, her white gloves holding her necklace, her ankles primly crossed. She appears completely undamaged, beautified like a saint, as though she were merely asleep. However, beneath the skin, her insides were completely liquefied, and when responders tried to lift her, she burst apart like a water balloon. I massage our gentleman softly, worried I'll break him open and spill his loose guts all over the floor. When we finish, I wash up, offering our gentleman a warm, wet towel, but he's already vanished, leaving behind nothing but an oily imprint on the sheet. The stack of twenties he discreetly placed on the sink at the start of our session is also gone. Mina flew into a rage her first time with our gentleman. I heard terrible crashing and ran to the majesty room fearing the worst. The doorknob was meatlocker cold. Inside, an angry Mina had pushed the massage table into the wall. No mean feat when you consider they're sturdy enough to support two people. My money's gone, she said, more in anguish than fury, ashamed for being so stupid, allowing herself to be taken advantage of. Relax, you'll get your money, I promise. The money always disappears at the end of the session, which isn't to mean our gentleman cheats us, the money eventually reaches you, 
You stop at a late-night ATM and discover money sticking out of the slot. A wallet with no identification, not even a library card, turns up at the end of your driveway. Once, Trina took her kids to Port Dalhousie, and while playing in the sand, found a baggie of $10 bills. They were the old 10s from the 1980s, a dealer happily paid above face value for. The connection between our surprise windfalls and a visit by our gentleman seems obvious. It happens far too often to be coincidence. Still, a part of me can't help but wonder if we are destined to find that money anyway, and our gentleman is simply the greatest scam artist of all time, receiving credit for something he has nothing to do with. The night before discovering the oil mess, I pulled a rare late shift. Returning to the spa for night money did not appeal to me, but when Jillian asked, I felt I owed her for the gift of permanent day shift, just this once. As the evening drew to a close, gurgling noises erupted from room two. Nothing to be alarmed about. Sometimes during the laundry cycle, gritty black water rises from the shower drains. If you don't clean it up immediately, the black flecks dry into a chunky mess that takes ages to scrub away. As I crouched in the shower using a towel to mop up the black mess, the legs of the massage table groaned, announcing a familiar customer. Shit. Not now. When I turned around, our gentleman lay on the table, already on his back, beckoning me to come close and begin touching him. I never allow a man to feel shy, or embarrassed, or unwelcome in the spa. I have trained myself to always be smiling, friendly, and accommodating. But this time I felt finished. I was out of gas. Sorry, we're not doing this right now. The time for our gentleman to lay his money in the sink had passed. This was my time now. His mouth pressed into my bare shoulders. The lips parted and his teeth grazed my skin. Those teeth felt as long and chilled as piano keys. I stood up, ignoring his overtures, determined not to accept any more business tonight. Excuse me, I said, cradling the wet, smelly towel as I headed for the door. Our gentleman moved between me and the door, and I felt foolish for having assumed I was free to leave this room whenever I wanted. What exactly had our gentleman ever done to engender such trust? If I screamed, would the other girl on duty hear me? And could she do a damn thing to help? Such a slap in the face to realize I'd been vulnerable for so long and never known. When I reached for the doorknob, our gentleman pressed his body against mine. My cheek and ear burned from the cold. His breath was winter wind, and the wet towel in my hand froze hard. I almost expected to hear his voice for the first time, whispering, Bitch. I stepped into the hall and closed the door firmly, leaving him behind. My hands turned as pale as if I were wearing white gloves. Whatever debt I owed Jillian had been fully paid. Our gentleman offers night money and I don't work for night money anymore. Mina arrives for work double-fisting Red Bull and coffee she has no intention of sharing. She smells like she never left, her body reeking of oil and lotion and wet. Water is the dominant smell at Blue Bay, from the showers and the hot tub and the laundry, no matter how many scented candles we light. Can't say I mind. I value cleanliness. Of all the girls, Mina puts in the most hours staying on from morning till night. 
I have nothing against people making money. Mina is a good ten years younger than me and has designated a specific window for doing this work, so she might as well put in as many hours as she can. Still, I sometimes feel sad for her, knowing part of the reason she's here so much is that she has nowhere else to be. She doesn't have an abbey at home to drive to school, or feed dinner to, or tuck into bed at night. There was a big mess in here when we opened, I say. Not for me. Mina collapses on the lobby couch, her eyes half-closed. I steady the tilted coffee cup in her hand seconds before she spills and scalds herself. From my bent knee position at the couch, I spot the final piece of our gentleman's tantrum. Behind the front desk, behind one of the legs, is a gray lump more disturbing than his juvenile outburst of scattered papers and squirted oil. Seeing what he's done makes me feel sick. All the units in this little strip mall get the occasional mouse. The landlord offered us traps, reliable spring-loaded bars that will crush a mouse's spine. But Jillian chose a more humane option, a trap that catches the little critter by their tail and holds them prisoner until they can be set free outside. The trap beneath the desk has been sprung, but the trapped mouse makes no sound. The mouse does not move. Mina dozes while I take a closer look. The mouse lies on its side, their black eyes bulging. The corpse rests in a puddle of oil. Its whole body shines. An obvious scene forms in my mind. The trap going off in the night, leaving the mouse cornered and helpless, while our gentleman squirts oil over the tiny creature until it is smothered. I have no doubt if I performed a little mouse autopsy, I'd find the lungs drowned in oil. Cruelty-free trap my ass. An old-fashioned spine crushing would be more humane. Mother is in a mood, so tonight's visit is short and tense. I can't watch Abby every single day. It isn't fair to expect me to put my life aside so I can raise your daughter. Three lousy hours. The time between when Abby gets off school and I get off work. Yet Mother speaks as if I saddle her with her beloved granddaughter for weeks at a time while I'm out partying. I don't mean for her to be a burden. I feel like I'm not doing you any favors. As long as you have it so easy with me babysitting Abby... You're never going to change your situation. It infuriates me to hear any part of my life called easy, but I hold my tongue and keep myself from pointing out the million ways Mother has things easier than me. I don't have a guaranteed check coming every two weeks. I have to earn by my wits. Am I not going to Grandma's tomorrow? Abby asks on the ride home. I hate she has to be involved in this stupid squabble. Couldn't Big Mouth Mother have waited to have this discussion on the phone? I smile at her. Nope. I'm going to take a break from work tomorrow, and I'll be there to meet your bus and bring you home. Abby looks skeptical. I have to stay home alone? Just for a couple of hours. You're a big girl. Abby looks down at her lap. She certainly doesn't feel like a big girl. Look, when I was your age, I always stayed home by myself. The time will fly. You can watch whatever you want on TV. You can make whatever snack you want. It's good to learn how to take care of yourself. You'll be more mature than your schoolmates whose parents still have to do everything for them. 
If not fully convinced, Abby is at least willing to give me the benefit of the doubt. I put on our song mix, and soon we are both singing along with Pink, knowing exactly what she means about having a shit day. Abby leaps off the bus, excited to see me waiting for her. The car stereo already queued up to our favorite playlist. How is school? Good. Abby bites her lower lip excitedly. She's got a secret that's about to blow the top of her head off. She can barely contain herself as she waits for me to ask the right question. Did you get a test back? Abby shakes her head vigorously before fumbling with her backpack. She pulls out her plastic lunch container. Encased in the top is a large bundle of toilet paper. For one moment, I think she has found an injured bird. Before remembering, Abby is smart enough to tell a teacher right away if she finds a sick or hurt animal hopping around the schoolyard. My gut tells me whatever is in the lunch container is going to be much worse than an injured animal. Waving her hand like a magician, Abby peels the lid open and unravels the cheap school toilet paper, revealing a thick bundle of $20 bills. Oh, shit. Abby tells me she found the money during recess, tucked into the foot of a discarded shoe along the back fence. She knew if she told one of the teachers about the money, it would be confiscated. She knew not to tell any of her friends, either. Smart girl. Though smarter would be to have left the money alone. The car fills with the stink coming off the bills. They smell wet. A mixture of jacuzzi water, laundry, and baby oil. I think it's from a robber, Abby says, wanting to create a legacy of illegitimacy that will allow her to keep the money. I roll down the windows to get the smell of the spa out of the car before I gag. Because I refused to take his money the other night, our gentleman is now trying to force my services by pushing his money onto my daughter. The sight of those filthy bills in Abby's hands infuriates me, and I snatch them away, wishing both of us were wearing blue latex gloves. I'm sorry, honey, but this isn't real money. She looks crestfallen, and I'm relieved. She's buying it. I remind her of our trip to the festival in the big city and the fake money we saw Chinese people burning to send to their family in the afterlife. This is play money. Abby takes the disappointment with dignity. She snaps the lid back on her lunch container, which I'll throw out, she's never eating from there again, and says, So should we burn it? We pile the money between us in the driveway while I hold my lighter to the edges. The bills won't catch. They're saturated with baby oil. The faces bubble and blacken, but the money doesn't disappear in a satisfying ball of rollicking flames. I burn my thumb on the lighter many times, but I won't give up. I remain on my knees, holding the bills to the flame one by one until they blacken beyond recognition. Our gentleman will force no contract for services on me. Abby complains of a sore stomach, only picking at her craft dinner. Usually, she eats all the bacon bits first. Her forehead is cool, no sign of a fever. She comes to bed with me, falling asleep easily, but in the middle of the night, she sits bolt upright and vomits between her legs. I gave her children's Tylenol earlier, but she looks awful now. The skin beneath her eyes has darkened, and her cheeks look sallow. 
Her mouth draws into a grimace, disgusted by the taste of her throw-up. Let's get you to the bathroom. I try to lift Abby, but she leans forward and vomits again. The smell hits me, and I panic. Twin tendrils of spit hang from either side of Abby's mouth. Between her legs, an enormous puddle of puke sloshes over the sheets. Abby's vomit is clear, but too viscous to be water. I know by the familiar smell she is vomiting baby oil. An entire bottle's worth has gushed out of her mouth. No! My phone tumbles out of my oily hand, never mind waiting for an ambulance. I grope through my bag for my keys. I'll drive Abby to the hospital myself in our soiled bedclothes. As I carry her into the living room, a terrible voice hunching in the back of my mind taunts. There's nothing you can do. I spin Abby around, lifting her shirt and pressing my ear to her back, listening to her breathe. Did you choke on anything, Abby? Baby oil is a hydrocarbon. Trina told me all about it during her nursing training, horrifying me with a story about a toddler who drank his older sister's baby oil, only to choke and accidentally breathe some into his lungs. From that point, he was doomed. The oil slowly spread over the air sacs in his lungs, preventing him from breathing. Painful gasping for breath soon followed, then cardiac arrest, then severe, irreversible brain damage. Finally, death. All from a product they had the nerve to put a picture of a fucking baby on the front of. Abby, answer me. Between her sobs, I hear the beating of her heart and blood surging through her body. Her stomach gurgles, preparing to pitch up again. More oily puke spatters my bare knees. Abby, don't cough. Don't swallow anything. It's very important, honey. I listen to her back again, trying to determine what the busy sounds inside her body mean. Normal function? Or her delicate lung tissue slowly coating in oil? I picture the doctors prying Abby open and discovering her lungs as shellacked as a seagull caught in an oil slick only they have no way of scrubbing her clean. At last, I recover the wherewithal to collect our shoes, and we drive to the hospital. The streets are empty this time of night, so I push the speed limit, rocketing across the wet roads. The evening has been drizzly, and I can see the reflection of streetlights sparkling in the blacktop. It looks as if the entire world has been smeared with baby oil. I may not know the logistics of how the oil got into Abby's stomach, but I'm sure I know the source. She didn't take your goddamn money. How dare he do this? She owes him nothing. At the Geneva Street intersection, I fly through the empty red light and a flash goes off, snapping our picture to mail with the ticket. I imagine opening the mail in a few weeks, Abby already gone, and my eyes settle upon this, the last picture ever taken of her, hunched over in the passenger seat, her dark eyes and cheeks making her look skeletal, while her crazed mother pounds the steering wheel and shrieks like a demon. The flash fades from my eyes and we begin to slow down. I press my foot to the gas, but the dashboard goes black. All the gauges disappear and the car coasts slower and slower until we come to a complete stop. I check over my shoulder, hoping for approaching headlights I can wave down. There was nothing in either direction. 
I root through my purse, turning it upside down and spilling everything to the floorboard with a clatter. The search is futile. My phone still lies on the kitchen floor where I dropped it, probably cracked. I lift Abby out of the car, and she clings to me. So trusting, so helpless. Her shoes are on the wrong feet. I'm such a mess I can't even get her out of the house with her shoes on proper. The wind pierces our thin bedclothes. Anyone driving by would have to stop. We clearly don't belong out in the night dressed like this. But there is no one around. No homes, no all-night convenience stores. Just warehouses and miles of chain-link fence protecting brickyards and scrap metal. Even the junkyard dogs can't be bothered to answer my screams. The only light is a red blur in the distance about a hundred feet down the vacant road. I know what that light is, and with no other choice, I run to it, Abby bouncing in my arms. We run towards the familiar, discreet strip mall where we have been brought. A neon light reading closed burns in the blackened window of Blue Bay Massage. Once inside, I place Abby on the lobby couch, where I've logged hundreds of hours sitting beside Mina or Trina, or any one of a long line of tired women with cutesy-sounding names. The sight of beautiful Abby propped up on this disgusting couch, looking dazed as a drug addict, perfectly symbolizes my failure. I've not only failed at keeping the spa out of my home life, I have now brought Abby inside this place. I'm no better than the women who invite strangers to their homes for 80 bucks a pop while their kids play in the next room. Please be all right, I beg Abby, as though she has the ability to heal herself. At the end of the hall, orange light dances along the bottom of the door to room two. Someone has lit candles. Defeated, I kiss Abby on her sweaty forehead. I'll be back soon. Abby tries to say something, but her chest gurgles like a clogged drain. I wish I could peel her skin open and suck the oil from her tiny lungs. On the way to room two, I kick off my ratty sneakers. They aren't suitable for creating the relaxing atmosphere customers expect from Blue Bay Massage. Gotta look sexy. I spot a pair of pumps Miranda left behind, and wearing them helps me get into character. A gentleman lies face down on the massage table. The flickering candles animate his shadow on the wall, casting him low and then very high. In some of the shadow angles, the shape of his body changes, appearing lumpy like the body of a bull, all muscle under tight skin. In other brief flickers, I could swear antlers were coming out of his head. Nice to see you again. Customers don't care what lies we tell, so long as we sound believable. I can't bring myself to touch the baby oil. Just the sight of the bottle starts me tearing up. I recover quickly. The customer can never see you crying. They need to believe you're happy to be inside the room. I select lotion instead. This may be cold, I warn, and squirt a dollop on his back. When I begin rubbing with my shaking hands, he grunts agreeably and settles himself on the table, relaxing fully. His legs spread apart. In Miranda's pumps, I tower over the massage table. My hands work our gentleman's back, 
raking his loose skin with my fingertips, slowly making my way down to his backside, only stopping now and then for more lotion. Our gentleman purrs and buries his head in the pillow, enjoying himself to the fullest. I almost feel pride at my ability to maintain professionalism in the face of someone I despise. Perhaps this means I'm too far gone. Mmm, would you like to roll over? The massage table creaks and he is on his back. The skin around his mouth bulges, struggling to contain his teeth. Could they have grown bigger since we last saw each other? His mouth twitches. He's trying to grin lasciviously. I continue rubbing him in all the places he wants, but I've grown serious, like when I need to reprimand a customer or talk about money. My daughter. Our gentleman opens his lips a crack. Something black and greasy slithers behind his teeth. I'm guessing it's his tongue. You tricked her. That wasn't fair. This excites him. He thrusts his body at me, encouraging me to use more than my hands. I'm doing my job well, and he is in ecstasy. Quick as a bear catching salmon from a stream, I lower my head and finish him off. The deed is done, but I keep hold of his loose skin, afraid if I turn around, go to the sink to wash my hands, he will disappear. Where does he hide in between massages? Maybe he goes into the ground beneath the spa where his stinking corpse rots, the hands chopped off for gambling debts. Or maybe he belongs to some hellish netherworld where corrupt angels and broken souls plot to torment the living. After everything that's happened, shouldn't I believe such an afterlife is possible? Now that I've settled her debt, she'll be all right, won't she? A gentleman basks in the afterglow of his orgasm. I don't think he even hears me. Perhaps I've settled all debts for now. But what about the next time? By taking his night money, I've set a precedent. From now on, whenever he likes, strange money will turn up, forcing me to return to Blue Bay in the night and meet him. I will have no option of refusal. How long shall this arrangement go on for? At some point, our gentleman will tire of me. I'll outgrow his needs. But not to worry, he's already picked out a new model. Abby will be a woman one day, and then I'll be the one to wait on the lobby couch while she settles up with our gentleman inside the room. Assuming he'll actually wait until she's a woman. I won't let him go. I burrow my fingers into his loose skin and pull. That jerks him out of his orgasmic bliss. His rubbery skin tears like a garbage bag, and rancid, putrefied stuffing spurts all over my hands. The fumes rush up my nose and burn my eyes. Our gentleman howls. I've always felt powerful to make my customers feel pleasure. But now I see making them feel pain is even better. I'm up to my wrists in his guts. There are no discernible organs, only a black foulness. His insides are cold, damn cold. I'm afraid my hands will go numb and I'll lose my grip. I'm not through tearing him yet. He beats me with his arms. With no hands to grab my throat, 
he pounds my face hard enough to bruise. For a moment I think I'm going to black out, but I bite my tongue until it bleeds, and my self-inflicted pain keeps me focused. Footsteps echo in the hall. Mommy? Abby, stay where you are. I dig into his body until my hands break out the other side, hitting the mattress. He hisses through his long teeth. I won't back off, knowing as soon as I let him go, he will disappear. And I can't let that happen yet. During his massage, each time I went to get more lotion, I nudged one of his candles closer to the massage table. Now I use Miranda's pump to push the candle one final inch until it sits beneath the edge of the dangling sheet. Flames climb the soft white rope to the massage table. I try not to breathe the smoke as the fire spreads into the mattress. Who knows what toxic material that sturdy foam is made of. Our gentleman thrashes about, but I hold him in place. The flames grow higher, blackening his thighs and crotch. They also lap at my forearm. The pain is unlike anything I've experienced before. The flames lick down to the bone, and it feels as though my marrow is boiling over. Our gentleman expects me to back off, but I've made my decision. If I lose my arm, so be it. The fire begins to settle down. Our gentleman struggles to sit up, wriggling violently like a mouse pinned by its tail in a trap. Woozy from my burned arm, I start losing my grip. My vision darkens, or maybe it's just the candles dying out. Let me hold on. I don't care if I die, just let me hold on. The door opens a crack, and there is a whoosh as fresh air floods inside. The candles shoot up tall. The sudden light is blinding. The massage table bursts into a wall of flames. I stumble backwards, falling out of Miranda's shoes and hitting the floor. I catch a glimpse of Abby's wide eyes peering into this hellacious room. The rush of air on my burned arm shoots another wave of pain through my entire body. My arm hurts so much I wish there was a fire axe handy. At this point, I'd rather chop it off than suffer any longer. Run outside, I tell Abby, but she is headstrong like her mother and does not move. On the flaming massage table, I hear our gentleman's guts bubbling. The rug and the curtains begin to burn. The spreading flames and smoke push me out of the room. Abby is too heavy for my remaining arm to lift. Black smoke fills the narrow hall. Abby tugs at me, urging us both towards the exit. Together we stagger into the night. A light rain is falling. Each drop on my arm feels like acid, and I collapse to the asphalt. My agonized screams echo across the vacant lots and fields surrounding us. Abby lies beside me, coughing and hacking. I want to thump her on the back, but I cannot move. My shocked body has shut down completely just when I need it most. For years, my ability to go numb has sustained me. But now, my body's refusal to process the pain feels like a betrayal. Abby buries her face in my chest. She coughs and coughs, and I fear the worst. I feel like I'm floating, and I know in the next moment there will be nothing. At the hospital, I concentrate all my strength and brief windows of coherence to tell the doctors about the oil in Abby's lungs. 
a bronchoscopy detects nothing in her airways. Abby only has minor smoke inhalation. She feels very sick, but is otherwise fine. She will return to school and ride the bus home and be picked up by her grandmother. My arm is toast. Severe third-degree burns. Specialists and skin grafts await me. Mom sobs and promises to do whatever she can to help. The hospital keeps me drugged, but even unconscious, I am aware of the pain. The spa burned completely, as did most of the auto repair shop in the same strip mall. I don't know what Jillian or the other girls will do for work. I wonder if they hate me. Mother warns me the fire investigators will be coming soon. I haven't yet decided what I'll tell them. Will a story about neglected candles satisfy? I wonder if I will go to jail for arson. According to the news, while sifting through the wreckage, the fire crew discovered human remains in the wreckage of the spa. Not a whole body, Mother says. Fragments. God knows what that means. I bet they were hands, I say. Cold, lonely hands sitting beneath the spa since God knows when. I should feel secure in the hospital, protected by its sterility, but I don't. When the doctors leave, I become a crying, jittery mess, not from the pain, but from waiting to see if any more money turns up. For years afterwards, I will constantly dread the surprise discovery of a bundle of oily, charred bills that could be anywhere, in an empty aisle of the supermarket, lying in wait at the bottom of my mailbox. Money that will bind me to another session with our gentlemen. I hope I'll be broke. I hope Abby and I starve before I'm forced back into his service. Somehow, we'll endure. I'm confident of that. We'll just turn up the music and sing along together. All the words. Because this moment is just between us. That was Chris Curietta's Our Gentleman of Blue Bay Massage, as read by Nicole Swanson. Nicole Swanson is an actor and producer from Augusta, Georgia, who has discovered she loves hiding away in her closet and telling stories to her loyal companion, Blackjack the Studio Dog. An occupational therapist in the Georgia Corrections System, when not narrating, Nicole enjoys a good cup of coffee while sitting on her porch swing and listening to the rain on a dark and stormy night. Discover more of Nicole's adventures at NicoleSwansonVO.com. Thank you, Nicole. Well, children of the night, the hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now... Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Lessel Baxter, Paul Belcher, Amanda Carrillo, Amanda Gottfried, and Orion D. Hegra, whose generous support 
helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks, like ad-free episodes, bonus content, and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Podchaser, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating or review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Why not share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch? TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs, so you can show those around you just how twisted you truly are. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Morgenstern, Andrew Gibson, Crystal Hammond, Spencer Desparty, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we attempt to silence the inner demons with more Tales to Terrify. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.